which as soon as I as soon as I got to campus, you knew you knew about the Apple Cup rivalry. I mean, I still think it's the biggest rivalry in college football to this day. I mean, people like to talk about Michigan, Ohio State, or Florida State, Miami, or Notre Dame, USC. And I'd be like, nah, the Apple Cup, what are y'all talking about? You know, I know this guy can vouch for me as well. as uh, my, uh, my freshman guy, Willie Hurst, and we both came in, and we're going into that year, our freshman year in 98. Big thing we said to each other, along with a couple other uh, guys, is, we're never going to lose the Wazoo. Each November, the Apple Cup pits the Washington Huskies against the Washington State Cougars. The next edition of the contest will be the series' 111th, of which Washington has won 72 to Washington State's 32. The game symbolizes a clash of Washington's diverse characteristics. West versus East, Metropolis versus College Town, Business versus Agriculture, Dogs versus Cats. No matter where you grew up in the state, you most likely have friends or family on the other side of the fence. What we know is it was a crosstown rival, rivalry and that we had guys that we played against in high school. And even I had a college teammate, Derek Roach, who was an offensive lineman there. And, you know, we just, I just couldn't lose to him. You got to see these guys, you know, and that's something that you can talk hmm. about for ages. The 2002 Apple Cup was one of the series' most iconic games. Washington State hosted the game with a 9-1 record as the third-ranked team in the country. A win would guarantee their spot in the Rose Bowl and keep their hopes at a national championship bid alive. Washington began the season as the number 11 team in the country. Expectations were high to start the season, but a slew of losses brought the Huskies into Martin Stadium on November 23, 2002 at 6-5 with no certainty of a bowl appearance. I'm your host, Brandon Boyd, and this is a story of that team, that game, and that backward pass. The 11th-ranked Huskies began the 2002 season in the Big House, playing 13th-ranked Michigan Wolverines. Cody Pickett, a gunslinging junior quarterback from Caldwell, Idaho, had taken the reins from legendary Husky quarterback Marcus Tuiasosopo the previous season. Pickett and the Huskies walked into Ann Arbor with confidence to burn. But as far as you know, confidence, we were we were a confident group. You know, we thought you know we had an opportunity to win anytime we stepped on the field. In a back-and-forth game, the Huskies clung to a one-point lead late in the fourth quarter. The Huskies forced Philip Brabs, a senior walk-on who hadn't kicked since high school, to kick a 59-yard field goal as Michigan's last chance to win. We had him beat. We stopped him. I believe it was either third or fourth down. We stopped him. But then we had 12 players on the field, which drove the walk-up kicker from Michigan up a little bit, and then he had a second chance, and, he, and then they nailed it. An infamous substitution snafu moved Brabs 15 yards closer, where he connected on a game winner on his first college attempt. Wolverines 31. Huskies 29. Sophomore sensation Reggie Williams came into the season as one of the nation's premier talents. The six foot four inch Williams from Tacoma's Lakes High School finished his freshman season just short of a thousand yards, including 203 against the Cougars the year before. For Williams, the Michigan game stung, but the team quickly moved on. Um, yeah, it hurt to lose that way. You have to come down to, you know, a, a, a call of 12 men on the field and. And I really be deciding factor into the you know that field goal that kick, but you know it 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 hurt, but a loss is a loss. Senior defensive end Kai Ellis echoed Williams' thoughts. But that, that I mean that sucked a little bit. I knew that was like one game, that was the first game of the season, and I just thought, uh, yeah, it's only one game. You can always still bounce back. That didn't really define the season. Ditto for senior running back Braxton Clement. After the heartbreaker in Michigan, all the team could do was move on. Now looking back at it, obviously that was a big-time game where 
that could have obviously been a, a real huge win for us. Um, you know, definitely going into there and, and, and playing uh, Michigan and walking away with the win, uh, that could have been huge, you know, and that's something we could definitely look back on as of today and, and say what we did there in the, in the big house in the sense of, of, you know, getting a win there. But I think once that happened, you know, we kind of really put that behind us and we knew we had to move forward. UW finished the non-conference season at 3-1, and one, but the team went on to lose four of their next five games. Sitting at 4-5, and five, things hadn't gone to plan for the team that had started the season ranked just outside of the top 10 and went toe-to-toe with Michigan in front of 111,000 people. Other teams may have folded, but the 2002 Huskies were a resilient bunch. That team, I think it was just the resolve and the attitudes that we had, man. We just, things weren't working out like we weren't, but we just kept at it, man. We just kept fighting, and we just, we were just true dogs. We just kept in there and did whatever we had to do to win and stayed in there and kept fighting. Oh, we just kept on saying next game. And always, I mean, for me and for everybody else, it was, we we were rallied around each other, and we always knew the next game we could always get the next game. We never thought like, oh no, you know, we're we're gonna lose this game. We always thought that we should be playing better. Three games remained for the Huskies. They played their three closest geographical opponents: Oregon State, Oregon, and Washington State in the Apple Cup. Coach Rick Neuheisel presented an idea to refocus the season's goals at a team meeting. We lost to UCLA, USC, uh, Cal, um, and then he said. He started counting down our last games, and he says the Northwest Championships, and you start going through all the teams that we have to go through to win, and um, and it kind of just caught on. We were going into Oregon State and playing against Oregon State, and uh, New Heisel mentioned uh, us, you know, defending the Northwest. Uh, we had Oregon State uh, followed by Oregon, who at the time was ranked. I think they were like 23rd or 22nd, 23rd going into the game. We played them, and obviously we had Wazoo towards the end of the year, and it was just kind of something he mentioned. It kind of stuck with a lot of us. That guy's he could be the best marketer, coach, everything, salesman. <laughs> the Northwest Championship was born. There was no trophy for this newfound tournament the Huskies found themselves in, but there was a shirt. John Anderson, a senior kicker who came to UW after playing high school football in Florida, certainly remembers the shirt and who made it. Um, I remember... Rick said something about it in a team meeting, but I mean, what I mostly remember is Braxton Clemens' T-shirt. So we, I remember uh, Braxton Clemens. He had a T-shirt that he had with each team we had to play with a checkbox on it. You know, I just remember Braxton Clemens having his, you know, uh, the shirt with the check marks on it and all that. And and uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, we started playing better towards the end of the year, and we're able to to, to rattle off some some good wins. Yeah, I think Braxton made that, man. I think that might have been a one-on-one. I don't remember uh, anybody else with one. I made the shirt for the Oregon State game. It was it was a shirt that I kind of made then. Um, it wasn't, you know, I, I did it kind of secretly on my own. It was under my, obviously, my, um, my pads and everything. I had it. A 41-29 victory over Oregon State meant Washington had one-third of the Northwest Championship done with. Um, once we won that game, I went back and I just kind of, checked it off because I didn't really think anything of it. It was like, all right, cool, we got this. And I checked it off myself. And I think some of the guys around me may have saw that, but I made no big thing of it because that was one game. We still got two more games to go. We got a lot of season left here with this because this is an important game. So it was a quick little check off for me. and There was really nothing to it. The Huskies entered Autzen Stadium to play the 23rd-ranked Oregon Ducks for the second leg. 
Oregon took the early lead. You know, we go to Oregon, great atmosphere. They go down and score seven nothing. You know, we were we were a confident group on offense. We were a confident group, and and we'd thrown for a ton of yards every game, and we hadn't had the ball yet. And I remember our first possessions, I think we fumbled or uh, we turned it over, and they went down and scored again, and it was fourteen nothing. The place was going crazy, and you know their their bench was going wild. And I just remember talking to to Reg like, hey, look. We'll be all right. We, we were confident. We hadn't even had the ball yet, and they were acting like the game was over. Down 14 to nothing. The Huskies tied it up before halftime, and then the party was on. We were down 0-14, and we came back 14-14, and all of a sudden in that third quarter, we just, I mean, the connection between Cody Pickett and Reggie Williams was ridiculous. Against Oregon, it certainly was. Pickett connected with Williams 14 times that day for 198 yards and three touchdowns. I don't know. I, I always usually carry, try to carry two cans of juice in a chain, you know what I mean, in my back pocket. After the win, the Huskies, two-thirds done with their Northwest Conquest, had their eyes on the O at midfield. We were going to dance on their O at the end of the game, but all the players were standing there, like the Oregon, all the Oregon football team, they weren't going to let us do it. So Coach knew I just said, hey, everybody just go to the locker room. And so we went to the locker room, and then – walked back on the field and started dancing on it after they left. Braxton Clemens seized the opportunity to show everyone in the world his shirt, now with two out of the three boxes checked. I mean, it was just like, man, we did it here in Oregon. You know, they were they were ranked, we weren't. Like, hey, this, this is something you got to show. You got to show everybody what's up. So it just came out. People showed it. We got the nice picture that I have uh, hung up, and they just kind of went with that. You beat Oregon, and it's like, oh, you get to enjoy it for 12 hours, and then it's on to whoever next you, you play. The Northwest Championship would come down to the Apple Cup. What could have been UW's Rose Bowl season was set to be Washington State's. Behind a high-flying offense led by Jason Gesser, the Cougars came into the Apple Cup ranked third in the country with a clear mission. Win either the Apple Cup or the following game against UCLA, and they would be going to the Rose Bowl. The Huskies had other plans. You hear about how they have roses ready and they're ready to, you know, celebrate their Rose Bowl victory, you know, going into the Rose Bowl stuff. And, you know, Coach Neuheisel was looking around at all the roses Everybody's getting ready to go to the, you know, getting ready to have their roses wrapped in foil, and he thought not so fast, and that's kind of how we were, you know. We uh, we knew they were a really good team, but, uh, you know, we weren't just going to go lay down. Um, we were going to play as hard as we could. The Cougars were eight-and-a-half-point favorites against the now six-and-five Huskies, but if you know anything about the Apple Cup, the odds don't tend to matter a whole lot. With all due respect to them, we knew what a great team they were, um, but we also knew that, you know, we were pretty talented as well, and you know, it, it was going to be a good game. And it seems like that's how the tradition of that game's been. I mean, there's been some outliers of blowouts and different things. But for the most part, those games are usually, you know, tough games. And the team that's favored to win doesn't always win. Oh, we always want to just take their heads off. And we want to embarrass them and make them think that they never should have played football ever in their life. Braxton Clemen, the fifth-year senior who was the 2000 Apple Cup MVP, walked into Pullman with the infamous shirt as well as UW Pride and 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 written on his wrist tape. The game was the final test of his pledge to never lose to Washington State in his time at UW. His chosen Bible verse reads, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. It was just like, hey, we're not going to let this happen. You know, it doesn't matter if they're third in the nation or, or whatever. Playing Wazoo or playing, you know, them at any time, point of time, even if it was the beginning of the year, you know, we would still take have that same mindset. But uh, playing those guys and having the guys that we played with, it was just a special thing. For Kai Ellis, the Apple Cup had some extra significance. A Wazoo band member let him know as much before the game. 
just before the game, they have their band there. And I'm looking back, there's this chubby band member with his strap around his nose. Oh, Ellis, you wish you came to, to our school. Uh, uh, if I, can't, I can't lose this guy. Ellis was diagnosed with a learning disability in his senior year of high school. His grades left him ineligible at most places, but Bill Doba, the Washington State defensive coordinator, fought hard to get Ellis to Pullman. He went to the City College of San Francisco instead, where he exploded from 215 pounds in high school to 255 pounds. His recruiting prospects exploded along with his size, but the deal with his junior college was that Ellis was only allowed to talk to one college, Washington State. To pursue other schools, Ellis had to inform Wazoo head coach Mike Price himself. Um, I, I went to Coach George Rush and asked him, is there any other colleges that were inquiring about me? And he, and he said, yes, there is. But you can't talk to him until you tell the coach, Mike Price, to his face that you don't want to go to his school. And so Coach Coach Price did a guy. He came down. He flew down. And I told him, I said, hey, I, I don't want to go to Washington State. And he said, you know, Wazoo's not for everybody. And he had a – in his envelope, it was a vanilla envelope, he had a picture of my stepdad. He played left tackle for Wazoo. Um, and I said, are you sure you, you don't want to come here and – you know, so I really appreciated it, but I just wanted to see what was out there. And, and so that was that. And the 2002 tilt lacked iconic Apple Cup snow, but the temperature was in the high 30s for a 3.30 p.m. kickoff in Pullman. Broadcaster Mike Ramsey remarked that it was impossible to tell which direction the 16-mile-per-hour winds were coming from before the game. That was the biggest thing is, you know, when when you, when you play through, you know, the year before, um, the year before I had the separated shoulder and, you know, you're coming on whatever game it was of the season, you know, 11, 12 of the season, you're just banged up. And I just remember being so sore and so banged up and it being so cold, um, you know, and just just trying to think, like, how, how can we figure out how to win this game um, with with the environment? Because it was, it was a cold game. Well, you know, we had plenty of cold, wet practices at Washington, so it wasn't, it wasn't that out of the ordinary. Um, it was a little colder. I mean, it was, from what I remember, it was pretty cold that day. But, um, you know, it was a football game in November. It was, you, know, you kind of expect it to be crappy. Washington came out aggressive, failing on a fourth down conversion and a fake punt early in the game. But after Jason Gesser interception, Washington took a 7-0 lead on a Cody Pickett sneak. The Cougars stormed back to take a 10-7 lead early in the second quarter. UW's offensive barnstorming against Oregon wasn't in the cards on this day. We weren't moving it with much success. I know we were just one or, or two plays away from taking over the game. And, you know, I just, we were just, I was opportunistic of thinking that we could, you know, change the the game around just by how we were playing on defense. John Anderson was set to tie the game at 10 with a 50-yard field goal, something he had done six times in his career at Washington. Anderson went wide left. A few plays later, Gesser connected with Sammy Moore for a 67-yard touchdown up the right sideline. 17-7, Cougars. Later in the second quarter, Anderson had his first shot at redemption, this time a 51-yarder. The kick doinked off the right goalpost, leaving Anderson visibly frustrated. Washington State marched down the field and was first in goal from the three-yard line with 30 seconds left in the first half. Reggie Williams and fellow receiver Wilbur Hooks were tasked with playing defensive back at times in this game due to injuries in the UW secondary. On this drive, Williams matched up with Wazoo's 6-foot-6-inch Mike Bush, who also played forward on the Cougars basketball team. I wasn't going to let him off me. That was just not going to happen. I mean, I had a little defensive background. I played DB and uh, safety in high school, so I had a little bit. But uh, I knew, you know, I just either had to stop the slant or the fade ball, and that was, that was never going to happen. 
Williams shamelessly committed pass interference on Bush to keep him from scoring, and the Cougars mangled the field goal attempt a few plays later to keep the game at 17-7. At halftime, a very simple adjustment figured to open things up for the Huskies. Williams only had two catches. That needed to change. Yeah, I might have got to talk to the CP3 at halftime and, uh, you know, told him I need the ball a little more. That's right. With Cody Pickett wearing number three, Chris Paul was not the original CP3. Oh, yeah, that's the original, man. So you need, you need his copyrights and all of that for that. After Kyellis recovered a fumble on Washington State's opening possession of the second half, John Anderson had his second shot at redemption, this time from 34 yards. Wide right. John Anderson had missed his third consecutive field goal to start the game. Despite the misses, Anderson's teammates never lost faith in their kicker. John, John was my guy. He was my roommate from day one. So John and I were, were tight. You know, I held for him, and uh, he had a ton of confidence in John. I mean, he, you know, you just put it down. It didn't really matter how how, how you held it for him. He was going to knock it through. So, um, you know, that's just he, he was my roomie and, and a guy that I trusted a bunch. So, um, you know, no matter how many he, he was going to miss, he always had confidence making the next one. Of course, man, John, he's won playing games for us and, you know, has been clutch his entire career at Washington. So, we know, if we just kept giving him opportunities that, you know, the next one will come. If you miss that one, then I'll shake that off, forget about it, we'll get you another shot, and he'll hit the next one. We have John Anderson, who's over there just nailing field goals. He's, I mean, you can, you can sit there and put a blindfold on that guy and ice his foot and he'll kick that damn thing through no matter what because he was just that nice. Well, I remember, what I do remember is walking to the sideline after I missed the third one saying, you got to be kidding me. You know, my last game is a regular season game as a Husky. I'm going to miss three field goals in a row. I mean, I, I was pretty embarrassed. But, you know, I like everybody, you know, I'm a football player. I wanted a, a chance to, to make it right. The game stalled at 17-7 with Wazoo's Drew Dunning missing a 32-yard field goal and Anderson missing another field goal but this time being roughed as he did it. He connected on his first field goal to put the game at 17-10 with three minutes left in the third quarter. In a game where offense was already at a premium, the game took a turn when UW defensive lineman Terry, later Tank Johnson, sacked Jason Gesser with 10 minutes to play. Gesser collapsed awkwardly, spraining his right knee and ankle on the play. Gesser left the game, and the mood in Martin Stadium suddenly changed. Uh, he was he might have been up there with, uh, with uh, Carson Palmer in terms of being the top quarterback in the Pac-10 Pac at the time, um, I mean, they were doing great things. He was doing great things as long as it was receiving core and his, his offensive front. And so to take kind of their their soul, in a sense, of their, their main guy, their captain, their leader, um, you never want to do that. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that he was injured, but we knew there was, there was going to be a shift. I mean, I know Jason Gesser, he was, you know, one of their top passers, and he's the one that helped them lead their, them all the way through the season. And any time on any team, if you have your number one quarterback, that messes up everybody, and it messes up a lot of things. Because when that number two quarterback's going up, it's not it's not the same kind of flow. For CP3, Gesser's injury didn't change the task at hand. Um, you know, that might have took some air out of their sails, you know, as far as the crowd and different things like that. But I was so focused into just trying to figure out a way to help us move the ball that, you know, for me personally, I... That didn't, you know, obviously he's a he's a great player and the leader of their team, so that's going to affect them moving the ball. But for us on the offense, it didn't. As UW's offense continued to stall, punter Derek McLaughlin punted from his own end zone with under seven minutes to play. Disaster struck. McLaughlin bobbled the snap and illegally kicked the ball off the turf. Washington State would take the ball at UW's one-and-a-half-yard line, up seven with a chance to put the game out of reach. 
but with Wazoo's backup quarterback, Matt Kegel, cousin of Cougar legend Ryan Leaf, now in the game, UW smelled fear. I think after he got hurt, I think it's, you know, like when the, when, the, when the shark sees blood in the water, I think you just turn it up the extra notch and really try to, you know, shift the game and put the game away. But we knew once we got that backup quarterback in there, those guys were just going to tear him up. The speed was – he wasn't ready for that speed. It was late in the game, and we just knew that we, we had everything on our side. A false start and a sack forced Wazoo to kick a field goal. The Huskies were down 20-10 to 10 with 4 minutes and 30 seconds left in the game. Going in that huddle, being down 10 with 4 minutes left, and you know not having a ton of answers for him, it just – we had to try to make a play. Nah, we weren't nervous or scared, man. We were some stone-cold killers out there. And, I mean, how, how everybody trusted each other and had faith in each other. And we knew if we had time on the clock, and, you know, we had the best quarterback in the country in Cody. So if we had time on the clock, we had a shot. The situation called for another of Rick Neuheisel's motivational tactics. We, we never quit. And that's one of the things that we've always said in the very beginning of camp. You stand on the chair and... They ask you if you're ever going to quit, and you scream as loud as you can that you're you're never going to quit, and that's exactly the same, you know, model that we carried all season long. Oh yeah, I mean that was our, that was our model back in the day: never going to quit. When you come in, you're never going to quit. You had to you had to scream that at the top of your lungs: never going to quit. What? Never going to quit. I'm never going to quit. And no matter what, that's what you tell everybody from when you're a freshman on: you are never going to quit as a husky and as a dog. And that was something that we all stuck through and all the battles that we all had, you know, personal or not, everybody stuck through it and everybody, you know, kept the same course. Needing a score, Pickett knew exactly whose number to dial. I remember being in the huddle with Reggie and it was a go route and I just told him, hey man, it's coming to you. Be ready. I don't care how many guys are over there. It's coming to you. And he said, I got you. Yeah, I remember it, man. I think when the call came in, Cody was like, you better go get it or something or I'm coming to you. Um... And I was just like, let's go, let's go. I mean, he wasn't, in no means was he was he open. I mean, the true font was running right with him. I think I just ran, you know, it was a simple route, and I saw the ball in the air, and it was, it seemed like he was just in the air forever and had the spotlight on it. And I, I threw it up, just threw a go route, and he jumped up over true font, and I think the safety got over there as well and made a great catch. I just kept my eye on it and went up and got it. I don't know if I... Probably with my hand in the head or one hand or, or what. I just knew I had to catch the ball. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to embarrass everybody I went, to, went up against. The 49-yard bomb to Williams set up a picket to Paul Arnold touchdown to bring the Huskies within three with three minutes left to go. All they needed was the ball back. On second and 15 on the Cougars' next drive, Kegel threw it down the left sideline to Bush. Bush had nine inches on his defender. Freshman cornerback, Nate Robinson. Yes, that Nate Robinson. The future NBA first-round pick and slam-dunk champion played one season of football for Rick Neuheisel. In his first and only Apple Cup, Nate Rob leapt with Bush and caught one of the biggest interceptions in Husky history. UW got the ball back at the Wazoo 35 with 2 minutes and 44 seconds left to play. Down 3. So at that time, defense, get us the ball back. We'll put points on the board. You stop them, game's over. So when Nate Robinson got that uh, interception... That was just a huge, huge turn of events, and we just kind of took it from there. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. You know, gave us life, you know, gave us life and gave us an opportunity to, to go down there and, you know, continue the game. After Arnold dropped what would have been the game-winning touchdown, it was up to Anderson to tie the game from 27 yards out. His teammates' faith in him paid off. Uh, being a specialist, 
you know, the greatest confidence you can have is, is having the confidence of your of your teammates. And that was, you know, the, all the kicks I made and missed in my career. I, I, from, the, from the first day to the last day, I always knew that everybody had my back and everybody knew I could do the job. And, and I wasn't going to be the guy that lost the game for them when it came down to it. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you how many, you know, 55 to 60-yard field goals Rick made me kick at the end of practices to get people get the team out of running and you know to me that was more pressure more pressure than you know winning a game because you know there's nothing worse most lonely I've ever felt in a football field is missing a field goal and watching the whole team run because do extra conditioning because I missed you know that's I didn't like that and I, you know I luckily knock on wood never made us lose a game because I think that would have been pretty bad too but you know Rick prepared me pretty well and and I like the pressure of you know having to make kicks to to reward the people that are doing 99% of the work. Anderson drilled it. The game was headed to overtime 20 to 20. UW started with the ball in its first overtime. Two Braxton Clement carries picked up a quick first down but three straight incompletions meant more Anderson. Another field goal made it 23 to 20 Huskies. The Kegel-led Cougs struggled to move the ball again a 42-yard Dunning field goal sent the game into the second overtime. Anxiety was high. Yeah, it just, the whole game just felt, you know, I had so many twists, turns, and, you know, loops that uh, you just, just had to remain calm and keep your resolve and know that, you know, we're going to fight to the end. It's just going to go down like that, <laughs> whatever it takes. It's going to take eight overtimes or what. We're going to keep going at it until they call it off. Dunning drilled another field goal to make it 26-23, to Cougars. The ball was in UW's court. Then on third and one, CP3 thought the Huskies had won the game. It was so cold. I have really big hands and, and never really had a problem hanging on to the ball. But at the end of one of the overtimes or the end of regulation, uh, the ball slipped out of my hand and hit my shoulder and actually went up on one of my linemen, and I took it off his back, rolled out to the right, and I hit Kevin Ware in the end zone. And I thought the game was over at that point, but they called the illegal double pass on me, which wasn't. I fumbled it, picked it up, and threw it in. This wouldn't be the last controversial call of overtime. The illegal forward pass penalty on Pickett meant it was Anderson's turn again, this time from 46 yards. No matter, Anderson was locked in. I guess it's like making a free throw or a three-pointer. Once you make one or two of them, you know, you, you want to go out there and, you know, do it again. 26 all to the third overtime. UW's ball to start. Cody Pickett was sacked and threw two incomplete passes. It would be up to Anderson again. You know, as an offense, you know, you, you want to do your job. And for us, not putting up a, you know, a touchdown, you, you didn't feel great about that. From 49 yards, the kick was good. Down three, a touchdown would end the game for Wazoo, but it was time for Kai Ellis, affectionately known by his teammates as the Creature, to do his thing. Kai, the Creature, and he was talking about a, a, a physical specimen. That was Kai. You know, the Creature. So they say long arms, and then it was like the freak, like Javon Curse type guy, you know, but they called me the Creature. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he was, I mean, the guy was exactly that, a creature. I mean, his, his physique, everything about him. But Kai's a freaking nature like that. He can do odd things that you might think can't even happen by a human. And he'll just do it with ease and won't think nothing of it. And he'll be like, do you know what you just did right now? <laughs> so Kai's was just that kind of athlete. And 
that kind of terror on defense um, that he could cause and make plays like that. Kyellis finished the 2002 Apple Cup with an astonishing 12 tackles, five tackles for loss, two sacks, three forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. The last fumble came on the game's final play. So they called a slant. I forgot I forgot what the, the actual stunt was. So I slanted inside, and it was a good first step that I had. I saw the quarterback's hand go up, and so my hand, I tipped it in the air, and I wanted to tip it to, tip it a, a, a second time, and I was going to catch it. So Kegel came running over, and I held on, tried to hold on, and I pounded down on the ball. So I dove on top of it and just kind of curled up in the ball and just, just waited for the, the referees to make a decision. Remember, this is 2002. Replay review didn't hit college football until 2005. The referees were deliberating on whether they had just seen Kyles win the game or the play was an incomplete pass. They deliberated for 42 seconds. It felt like an eternity. Excuse me, you're like, oh, damn. Okay, okay, okay. You're looking around, you're bouncing around, you're kind of all the players at that time, which is weird because the refs always do a great job of kind of keeping everybody away. You know, hey, the refs will go off to the side. But the refs literally just huddled up right there. And you saw all the coups on one side. I remember you see Kai Ellis, he's kind of there. I think he, like, spiked the ball and kind of ran off to the side a little bit. I honestly didn't know uh, what the, the referee's decisions were going to be. But I know for sure that I thought that I had this, the ball and that the game was going to be over. I didn't know what happened. I was sitting on the bench trying to find a way to feel my hands and get warm because I didn't know if I was going to have to go play anymore or what was going on. I just saw the commotion and tried to watch the replay. I, I just kind of just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And then you saw Ben Madavi kind of poke his head in. Tank was getting in there. Greg Ruthers was kind of there, just kind of like pulling people out but still listening. And then you see Ben Madavi. Like, I remember just watching Ben Madavi and Kai. And, like, Ben Madavi kind of, like, pulled out, looked at us, like, oh, oh, oh. And then they, he kind of waited. He went back. He heard something. And then he just came out and just started celebrating. The referees had made their decision. In 22 words, referee Gordon Reese ended the 95th Apple Cup with the Huskies winning 29-26. Kai Ellis remembers those words vividly. You said the ruling on the field is a backwards pass. Washington recovered that backwards pass, and the game's over. Um, and they waved it. It was game over, and, you know, I was, I was was happy to get the heck out of there with a win. So it was just like literally watching them because they can obviously hear what was going on. We're on the sidelines. Like, okay, either way, this is what we got. Like, oh, shoot. Oh, and then it just happened. And then you saw the celebration. The helmets went off. Everybody started running on the field, and that was that. The Cougar faithful weren't exactly pleased with the call. And when it was finally over, it just it was it was just kind of crazy. And uh, after that, that's when I think the bottles and everything started going crazy, right? Um, I remember making all those long field goals to to help my team, continue to help my team have a chance to win the game. And then I also remember, you know, uh, the what happened after with the bottles and everything being thrown on us on their field. I mean I remember my mom got hit by a Jack Daniels bottle. I mean it was a it was an it was an interesting uh an interesting celebration, that's for sure. Kind of reliving it here that I remember that I remember how cold it was too. And remember after the game, you know, people throwing stuff on the field and my mom running out there with her three jersey on and telling her to cover up. It was that was a wild night. So I know the whole crowd erupted when the when it was booze and then uh we were celebrating on the field, everybody rushed the field, even the fans, and then I think I saw some of our players run up in the stands and they were showing their jerseys and had their hands up. And then we start seeing glass bottles fly. And so we're jogging back to the locker and I see a reporter get hit in the face with a beer bottle. It was crazy. Martin Stadium was no longer a safe place to be a Husky. 
Yeah, after that, I was like, okay, we got to get out of here. This is really crazy. <laughs> Washington State took care of business the following week against UCLA to appear in the Rose Bowl. They lost 34-14 to to Oklahoma. Washington lost their bowl game as well, 34-24 to to Purdue. But none of that will ever taint the legacy of the 2002 Apple Cup. For us to play spoilers with that was awesome. So anytime you get a chance to spank little little brother there on the butt and tell him, let him know who's up, it's always uh, it's always a pleasure. I said, you know, I think you know my four year career. That's probably what you know the longtime Husky fans will remember is that Apple Cup game and mid kicking field goals in that game to keep us going. Kids, when you play football, college football, you always think about you making that game-winning touchdown or that game-winning sack or whatever it is. And, you know, that's one of the things that, that happened for me. And I don't think it would ever be replayed ever again. Where just you look back and it's like, wow, I mean, we were special. We had it – was, it was destined for us uh, to do that. And I'm glad I was able to share that experience and be there with all the guys that were there. Uh, walking off the field with all the chaos and commotion going on, just with a sense of relief of that we were able to, to come into a hostile environment – Play him in three overtimes, a team that was going to the Rose Bowl, um, and and to, to have some perseverance and be able to get a win in a, in a game that really nobody gave us a chance to win. Governor Gary Locke presented UW with the Apple Cup trophy that year, but whatever happened to Braxton Clemens' T-shirt, the totem of the Northwest Championship? Uh, it, it's somewhere around. I would say it's it's um, in storage somewhere. So uh, I did end up getting it. Somebody framed it for me. A special thanks to John Anderson, Braxton Clemen, Kai Ellis, Cody Pickett, and Reggie Williams for their time. I'm your host, Brandon Boyd. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the Apple Cup.